Hi friends, I'm Molly and welcome back to Relief from Darkness where we are continuing our conversations about how we can truly be set free from the stuck areas in our lives. And we are talking anything ranging from anxiety to depression to complex trauma to addictions of any kind and really everything in between. Because here at No Boundaries, we really do believe that you can be healed and set free from these stuck areas in your life. And as you heal and get set free, your brain starts to change. And if you change your brain, then you change your life. Woohoo! So today we are here with Dr. Lori Basie. Hey guys. And we are continuing the CPR series of this podcast. So in most of our podcasts thus far, we have sat with people and gone through the CPR of their brain and what's happening in these moments or whatever they're walking out of. So now we are breaking down each portion. So since then, we have talked about the C, meaning connection, and now we are in the P under psychoeducation. And under psychoeducation, we have talked about um, the brain basics, and now we are in the amygdala. And on our last episode, we talked about top-down anxiety firing our alarm system in our brain to warn us that something's wrong. And that was going through thought processes that we can think our way into anxiety and we can think our way into our amygdala firing. But for this episode, we are going to be talking about bottom up. So with that, Dr. Lori, what is bottom up anxiety? <laughs> Bottoms up, Molly Buck. It is time. <laughs> this is going to be so exciting. And really, this has been utilized to set so many people free. Mm -hmm. What if we have brain damage? What if we have wired our brain incorrectly to be wired on hot or with stress or with trauma? And actually the brain damage that we're experiencing is simply because we've gone through trauma and not healed, coupled with we've had thought patterns or sin or things in our life that we've done or people have done to us plus a series of choices that have landed us with the brain that we have. And in the last 10 years, we found out that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You can actually rewire your brain. So I want to teach you how to rewire your brain from the bottom up. And the bottom up is with trauma. So let me describe to you trauma. Trauma, another word or a, a synonym for trauma that I want to use is speechless terror. So let's do a real quick brain review. So we have three parts of our brain. Our brain develops from the bottom up. The bottom part is for survival. The middle part of our brain is the amygdala, which we're still in the amygdala. That's where our imagination and our emotions are. And then we have the top part of our brain, which is the intellectual part of our brain. And so when we go into fight, flight, or freeze, when we experience trauma, the survival part of our brain activates the amygdala, hence the word bottom up, instead of the thoughts that we have activating our amygdala, the top down process, the bottom part of our brain activates danger, danger. It activates our amygdala and our body responds in fight, flight, or freeze so that we will survive the situation. And so trauma is called speechless 
terror. They say that all of us will experience something that's unimaginable or that will bring us to our knees, maybe two, three, four, five times, multiple times throughout our lifetime. And so if there's an event or a series of events that involves actual or threatened harm that places overwhelming demands on our body system. And as a result, we feel intense fear or helplessness. So again, trauma is speechless terror. We feel intense fear and helplessness. So there are two types of trauma. The first is developmental trauma. And if we think about when we're growing up, maybe we've been sexually abused. Maybe our parents were alcoholics. Maybe there's there's developmental trauma throughout our years that we're we're placed in situations where there's overwhelming demands that are placed upon our body where we feel intense fear or helplessness and it happens over a series of events or a period of time. That's developmental trauma. The other is shock trauma. That could be like a rape or an earthquake or an event that literally alters the course of our lives. And But again, then I feel it's either perceived or it's real. It's a real threat or a perceived threat. And as a result, I have intense fear and helplessness. This is speechless terror. Now, what happens is that the bottom part of my brain, the survival part of our brain, then kicks off the amygdala, the the alarm system in my brain that then amps my body up to actually go through the trauma. And it's all stored in the middle part of my brain. What has to happen is that I have to give that speechless terror a narrative, I have to frame that and make resolution to that so that then my brain can file it in the past that I actually associate time with it so that it's filed in the past and that thing is not allowed to come up anytime it wants to. And if I don't actually give it a name and have a narrative to it, if I don't access it first in the middle part of my brain and go through the processes of imagination and emotion so that I can then kick on my intellectual, the top part of my brain, then that thing can come up whenever it wants to. And so with trauma, it's as if the person is frozen in time. There has to be integration so that we can integrate what's happened in the past, give name to it, have resolution to it so that we can file it in the past. And if we don't, there's all kinds of problems that come that can come up. We can have a loss of physical health that makes us sick. We have a loss of our sense of self. We don't feel safe because that thing is allowed to come up anytime. We don't necessarily trust authority. We have a hard time staying regulated. And then because we're always ramped up, then we'll do self-soothing behaviors that may be detrimental to our health, like drinking or using drugs or eating disorders or cutting or sexual addiction. And it really just goes on and on and on. And so this is the bottom up way that we flip our lid, activate our amygdala, and intellectually, we have no idea what's happened. 
and people that ride in this with flashbacks and triggered reactions or trying to avoid certain things or have compet- uh, repetitious compulsions or psychomotor reactions, they're just in misery. And there actually is healing for all of this. And so then from the bottom-up process, it's not about telling about the past. It's about helping people to be here and now to tolerate what they feel in the present. And so let me just tell you this, that if you have bottom-up amygdala-activated responses, if you haven't healed from something in your past, every time you think about that negative event, or every time you experience sensations that are similar, that remind your brain of that negative event, your body produces the exact same chemicals as when it actually happened. That means you relive the experience hundreds of times simply because you haven't worked through it. And so Molly, does this make sense? Yes, this makes a lot of sense. And I think like just even on a personal note, you know, so like Dr. Laura, you've worked with me for the last four years. Yes. Right. And the thing about, I think, bottom up, you know, bottom up anxiety is you don't exactly always know when it's going to hit or what's going to come out of it. And so if you've worked with me for four years and Prior to healing, like, what was that like? Like, can you just describe what I was like in prior to knowing anything or prior to knowing healing and things like that? So with Molly, as she was navigating through environments, she was on hyper alert. So she was all systems were go. And you never knew exactly what she was going to do. And so she had low impulse control and, and there's there's obviously something that was going on in her brain and something that needed to be worked through. But, but a lot of times we don't know exactly what that is until the situation comes up. And so as Molly integrated into our community and into our environment, which is so important to have a community that then the things that are unusual or the things that are a little bit off or the things that we notice about one another, if we could just then walk with someone and instead of the thing that she's doing, get on my nerves or me being so frustrated with the what she's doing, then me to ask a question. So why are you doing this? Why would you do this? And is there, is there a reaction that you've had in the past? So for example, if, if somebody that we just meet kind of gets on our nerves or we just have this uneasy feeling about them, well, that's the middle part of our brain. And that's the area that we're talking about. And so, and we don't really know them enough and we haven't been around them enough to establish trust. So a lot of times a really fun question to ask is, do they remind you of anyone else? And so With this from the bottom up, it was interesting. Molly inserted into our community and we do all kinds of things. We travel, we go around the world. And I think Molly, it was at some point, I don't know, within probably what the first year or two Mm -hmm. or at least three that we realized and you actually then disclosed and had enough connection and trust with our team to disclose that you weren't urinating uh, at night in a toilet. Correct. And so I just wanted to point that out as like a, that a lot of times the people around you 
will be able to gently kind of help you if you're having a hard time realizing like where you're triggered. Um, but to get into a safe community that you trust that they can a lot of times be able to speak into that even often before you are fully aware. So like Dr. Lori just said, when I first got to know boundaries, um, this is right after clean off of a fresh psychotic break. You're welcome. <laughs> so really it had to be within the first several months. So yes. Okay. So um, fresh off a of psychotic break, I get to know boundaries and for the first, I don't know, probably, yeah, first few months, I just could not use the bathroom in a toilet at night or, and then even in the daytime, if it was a weird or unfamiliar place or if it triggered something in me, mm-hmm. uh, and I wouldn't have clearly, like I'd been living like this for probably a year at this point. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking was normal or was okay at this point, because you just, some point you just get used to it. And then getting into a community that could say, hey, actually there might be something going on here. Let's explore it um, is super helpful. So I was urinating in cups at night and the why was actually because I had experienced trauma in a bathroom. And I mean, horrific trauma that I just could not get out of. Like every time I'd go into the bathroom at night or into a weird, unfamiliar bathroom, I would just freak out, like just full on. So tell what's going on in the brain then. So from the bottom up. So from the bottom up, then something in my senses uh-huh. has it triggered something to make my lid flip. Uh-huh. So whether that's the way that it looked or reminded me of something, or whether it was the time of day that I'm going to the bathroom, or whether a certain rug or smell that is in the ba- present in the bathroom has somehow signaled my amalama ding dong and said, danger, <laughs> danger, danger. Uh-huh. And then suddenly I'm in fight, flight, or freeze. So intellectually, you're not saying I'm going to be triggered when I go into the bathroom because I'm going to be reminded of. You're just not able to go I'm into just, the bathroom. Right. I'm just living my life. And then suddenly, anytime I go into the bathroom, I end up in a psych unit. <laughs> Okay, or so literally, literally then you go somewhere else, so you're not able to stay present, right. and you actually have a psychotic break, and it's even landed you in the psych unit. Yeah. And so that's clearly a really good example of what we're calling bottom-up anxiety. Yeah. Then what happened? So um, at this point in my life, it was whenever I first got into no boundaries, and I wasn't all completely uh, sold on the whole Jesus thing. Um. <laughs> and actually, this is really good. If you ask Molly, when did she really come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? Molly would tell you this on the bathroom on toilet. The, yeah, sitting on the toilet <laughs> doing my business. <laughs> but it really is true. And I came to know Christ in the experiential way through through this very thing. So I was experiencing bottom up anxiety going into the bathroom And at one point, I was just like, you know what, like, I'm giving this whole Jesus thing a try. And there was a teammate here at No Boundaries that had given me her card and her phone number and said, hey, Holy Spirit told me that you have permission to call me anytime, day or night. And at this point, y'all, I was super skeptical. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't need some crazy old lady trying to tell me that Jesus is going to do whatever he's going to do, A, B, or C. I was just incredibly uninterested. 
But there was something there, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it was one night. Um, I was by myself in my room and it was three o'clock in the morning and I'd woken up and I had to use the bathroom. And normally I would go in a cup or a bowl beside the bed and then in the morning I would dispose of it then. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to call this lady. She's like, she's going to say that she's here and that Jesus can do whatever, like (laughs) then let's try it. So I called her three o'clock in the morning and I just hear this frantic, like not really frantic, but just like, you know, when you first roll out of bed and you're trying to pretend you're awake, it was kind of like that. She was just like, "Ah, hello, 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Yes, it was. And I said, hey, um, all right, here I am and I have to use the bathroom. And what happens when I use the bathroom is horrible things and I black out and I disassociate and it has before landed me in a psych unit and I just don't want to do this and I can't live like this anymore. And she was like, okay, great. Perfect. (laughs) And so she just says, all right, Molly, I'm going to start praying. And then I just want you to ask Jesus where he is the whole way through from the the time you leave your room into the time you get to the bathroom. And I'm on the phone with her And I'm walking down the hallway and she's praying and I'm praying. And keep in mind, you guys, at this point in my life, I have no real like knowledge of anything really biblical. Um, I haven't like read the whole Bible through and done all of the things. It was just me and Jesus. And so I'm standing outside the bathroom and she says, will you ask him where he is? And so I asked him where he was and I can still see it just clear as day and he's sitting on the bathroom counter and he's just got his little feet dangling and he's kicking his feet and she says ask him if it's safe and I said Jesus is this safe and he said yeah come in and so I go into the bathroom and I sit down on the toilet And I start going. And I tell her, I said, I'm going. (laughs) I'm going to the bathroom. And I look at Jesus, who's sitting on the counter kicking his feet. And I say, I'm going to the bathroom. And he's like, yeah, you are. Like, you you are. That is correct. (laughs) And I um, finish. And I flush the toilet. And I leave the, the bathroom. And I go back into my room. And you guys, you know what happened? Nothing. Not one anxious thought. Not one dissociative thing. I was very present. Somewhere that I didn't think that I could ever be present. And it wasn't even because that I had to necessarily like just figure it all out, but because he was present with me. And there's something about Jesus being present with you that changes everything. And whenever you're aware of his presence more than you are of your current circumstances, everything will change and it will set you free. I'm here to tell you guys, it will set you free. And this experiential knowledge of Christ on my midbrain was the first time that I knew that I knew that I knew that he existed. And you have to have an experiential knowledge of Christ or you don't have a a knowledge of Christ that's grounded in reality. He has to be real to you. You have to have reasons in your life why you believe what you believe. And this was it for me. 
And this was after I had just said yes. I told the Lord that I would say yes to a year for every invitation. And so what this looked like was one of his invitations to use the bathroom without having any kind of uh, mental breakdown. And he met me in it. And then now whenever things get tough, I have something to go back to to say, oh yeah, he met me here. And that's what happened. When I experienced using the bathroom in a toilet at night with Jesus kicking his feet, smiling at me going, it was in this moment that I was like, if I can do that, I can do anything. Because at this time in my life, it had been spoken over me that basically I was going to be crazy forever. But he had a different story. And he wanted to show me. And it was then that I was like, what else could there be? The very thing, the very trauma that wanted to keep me suppressed and oppressed and out of my destiny. When the kingdom of heaven meets it, you're set free. And that's restoration. Because where the dead things in your life are reconciled with the living Christ and you're walking in freedom. So I'm super excited about bottom-up healing. Like that is my, probably one of my favorites. So then, okay, to bring it back in for a second, from a brain standpoint, so then now, and since that day, I mean, I haven't had any issues using the bathroom. And it's not because out of maintaining that, whenever I would go into the bathroom at night for a little while, I would have to envision him sitting there kicking his feet. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had to get a new narrative of this isn't where this isn't where this horrific traumatic thing happened. But actually, this is the place where Jesus is sitting waiting to talk to me and waiting to set me free. And that's the new narrative. And after I got that new narrative, as Dr. Lori's has explained, after I got that new narrative, then my brain could file away, could file away the traumatic events from the past. And set me on a new course with a new narrative of his presence. So, Dr. Lori. So, let me summarize this. And I I mean, it's beautiful. And we could tell you story after story. And now, not just hundreds, but literally thousands of stories where people have been set free. And so, Molly knew that if she went to the restroom, then she would flip her lid. And she didn't have language for this. She just knew bathrooms are bad, stay out of the bathrooms at night. And she intellectually, she didn't even have a narrative for why. And so it's like, if you go touch a hot stove and you burn your hand, then you don't want to go touch a hot stove again until you cognitively and intellectually learn that you can turn on and off a stove and when a a stove is safe to touch. And so in the middle of this story, then and just note for those of us who are helping others, what we say has to be what we'll do that. Yes means yes. And no means no. So that person who said, you call me anytime. And actually that was the first time she did it. And she's never done it again to my knowledge, but there was just a grace on that for Molly to heal. And, but she answered the phone at three in the morning and with the, I've got to go to the bathroom. And so the first thing that happened is she had to stay present. She had to stay safe 
from the standpoint that she wouldn't actually go back into the memory of when these horrible things happened while she was in the bathroom. She had to be stabilized enough in the here and the now. And so we do that by looking around in the room and seeing what we see. Now she saw Jesus, which is actually on that middle part of our brain on our imagination screen, which is absolutely beautiful. So we can stay in the here and the now by breathing. We can stay in the here and the now by counting. But Molly had the responsibility of staying in the here and the now. She was in the here and the now by talking to somebody on the phone instead of going back into the traumatic memory where those things happened, where she would actually dissociate, black out, and end up in a psychotic break. And then after she stayed in the here and the now and Jesus showed her where he was, we can insert him into all of our pain and our trauma. And it's such a beautiful thing. And then even now, as we think about it, and as Molly is overwhelmed emotionally by what Jesus did, it's important for us then to mourn and to process what happened with self-compassion. And as her story unfolded, the compassion that we even had, the the why of that behavior sometimes will break our heart. Unimaginable things have happened to all of us and really hard things happen. And Jesus never promised that they wouldn't, but he promised he'd be with us always. And so when we find him in the moment, like Molly found him sitting and kicking his feet up on the countertop, it was a beautiful, beautiful process. And then she connected with him. She was connected with the person that was on the phone and she was able to actually stay in the present with her lid flipped in an activity that would have typically set spiraled her into a psychotic break. And she was actually able to integrate the parts of her brain that when horrible things happened in the bathroom, that was then, but this is now. And then she maintains it. Because she's got old neuropathways that have been activated. Her brain automatically goes to that when she goes to the bathroom. But now she has a new set of skills so that she can actively stay present with compassion and safety and stabilization, knowing why she would flip her lid. And even if she starts to feel a little anxious, then when she goes to the bathroom from here on out, she's looking for Jesus. She's staying present and she is starving the old neural pathways that she flips her lid and she ends up in fight, flight, or freeze and in a psychotic break or doing something impulsive. And now she's integrated that memory and it's absolutely beautiful. And so I just want to say that if we've had trauma in the past, if certain things, and typically it's on a sensation level, that if certain smells or sights or things, or if we find ourselves triggered, or if the reaction doesn't fit the situation, like ending up in a psychotic break by using the uh, restroom or by having this extreme anxiety and hatred towards someone because they said something or reminded us of something from the past. I just want to encourage all of us to start to think about what we're thinking about. Think about our emotions. It says that when we're under pressure, when we're squeezed, again, back to the scripture with Galatians, that the fruit of the spirit should come out of us. And so if we're not faithful or gentle or good or kind or loving or full of joy and peace and patience and self-control, 
then there's probably something that's happened and we need to spend time in the presence of Jesus and then processing, do I have some things from the past that I need to deal with? And when we're activated, when we flip our lid right after a traumatic event, I think it's, it's noteworthy to just say that all of those chemicals are released in our body and it takes 72 hours for those chemicals to then filter through our body for us to get everything calmed down from the red alert that we went through. And while someone is in fight, flight, or freeze, or somebody is revved up, it's really important for them to do grounding exercises to stay in the present, whether that's breathing, whether that's talking to someone, whether that's counting or, and, and even as a person on the other end of the line said, I need you to pray and let's go into the bathroom and find Jesus. So simple commands, typically five to seven word commands and offering choices so that somebody can stay present. And then as they flip their lid, then they can realize that that was in and this is now because now it's safe. And so what a beautiful story about encountering the living Christ. Molly, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us. Yeah. You guys, like, here's what I'm hearing. And it's if you've noticed that, that something's wrong or how Dr. Lori said, if you're in a place and, and the behavior isn't matching the circumstance, to really just ask Jesus if there's anything that he wants to reveal. And then I would highly, highly, highly suggest that you get into a safe place in a safe group to explore that and safe meaning those who are thrusting you towards Jesus and that have um, a trauma informed kind of training and then pulling them aside and then doing this very thing of asking Jesus where he is in it and then reframing it from that, from that perspective and getting his new narrative. And here's the thing. I've realized this a while ago, but you guys, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, correct information. And then there's truth. And when Jesus inserts himself into what looks like a lot of correct information and trumps it with truth of his narrative, everything changes. And when you start getting the truth of his narrative over your life and over your circumstances and over your trauma, your brain starts to change the way that you see things and the way that you think. And as your brain starts to change, then you change your life. And it changes everything, everything about it from you and then to, to the people around you. And now whenever I walk into the room, I would hope I'm not as dysfunctional as I was. <laughs> Night and day different. When I first got here. Yes. And have you peed in a cup or in a, in a bowl since? No, not outside of doctor's orders. <laughs> <laughs> Just for old time's sake. For- <laughs> so... Thank you guys for listening. I would encourage you to just to just press into him and just let him reveal and heal whatever he's doing. So thank you, Dr. Lori, for your expertise. And thank you, Molly Buck, for your story. <laughs> Absolutely. So until next time. See you then. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www 
www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.